Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Harless. And I'm your other host, Natalie. The Magic Story Podcast recaps the fiction story behind Magic the Gathering, and we add our own bits of flavor text along the way. Today is a very special episode as we transition from our last season, Wilds of Eldraine, into a brand new season with the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. We start season six today with an exclusive interview. Two Wizards experts are joining us on this episode, and they're about to tell us the origins of Ixalan, stories told nowhere else, right here on the Magic Story Podcast. Join us as we head into the multiverse. Okay, so without further ado, podcast listeners out there, I am so excited to introduce you to Ovidio Cartagena and Miguel Lopez, our two guests and Ixalan experts. Hello. Hey. Miguel, I'm going to start with you. Can, can you tell us who you are and what you do for Magic? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Miguel. Um, I am a world builder here at Magic. Uh, for the Lost Caverns Ixalan, I was a set lead and and world builder uh so i did a lot of the uh the updating work to to help build out the world for the lost caverns of ixalan and worked uh, alongside a video in the creation of the card set all right a video you're next can you tell us about yourself and what you do for magic senior art director for magic the gathering i've worked on phyrexial will be one lord of the rings before this as lead art director and now ixalan Lost Caverns of Ixalan, which is a dream project for me. It's like a passion to have done it. Um, Miguel and I built this like incredible world under the continent and just excited to share it. I mean, I don't want to pick favorites, but I mean, the three sets that you just listed are some of my all time favorites in magic, like period. So super excited to talk about Lost Caverns of Ixalan today, too. Um, so the last time we saw the plane of Ixalan on the podcast was during March of the Machine. It was burning, about to be decimated by the might of the Phyrexians, but Watley summoned the elder dinosaurs and managed to save it with their help. This was this it was like this epic, awesome dinosaur against dinosaur moment. And I'm sure none of us are about to forget that anytime soon, myself included. So that was the last time we saw Ixalan. But what has happened since? So a lot has happened since then. Uh, it's been what did I say on stage? It's been roughly like a year and a half or so, a year and change, not a year and a half, a year and some months since the conclusion of that story. Ixalan, the plane has uh, been healing. From that time, basically, we've had the uh, for the purposes of, of the Lost Caverns of Ixalan, we mostly focus on what's happening on the continent of Ixalan, specifically what how the the Sun Empire is responding to or has responded to the the, the conclusion of the Phyrexian invasion. Since then, they've been rebuilding, they've been recovering lost lands, clearing out Phyrexian ruins, and and fingers crossed, inert oil. Uh, from their cities, from their waterways, uh, healing the land, basically doing what they can to rebuild after a, a devastating conflict um, that has really shaken the Sun Empire and its people to their core. At the same time, they're they're looking forward. You know, the Sun Empire is a massive imperial state. It's it spans the breadth of the continent of Ixalan, and it has a history. 
that the Phyrexian invasion interrupted. Prior to the events of the invasion, the Sun Empire was preparing to launch an attack against distant Tarazan, which is which is a continent that the uh, uh, the vampires of the Legion of Dusk come from. So in the in the year and some change since the since the end of March of the Machine, when we last saw uh, Ixalan, the Sun Empire is, as I said, they've been rebuilding uh, what was lost, and under the guidance of their current emperor, Apatzek Intli the Fourth, I believe, they are, are 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 looking forward to resuming the plans that uh, that they had that that were interrupted by the by the uh, by the Fraxian invasion. So. When I think of Ixalan, and I think a lot of people are similar here, but my imagination immediately conjures up these really big, colorful, feathery dinosaurs like Sakama. So Miguel, can you tell us why dinosaurs are important on Ixalan? Yeah, so mechanically they're important. Uh, they're they're one of the, the four typal um, factions that people fell in love with the first Ixalan for. One of the things that we have to do in world building sometimes is find, like, Seek verisimilitude. Find the find the the, the in world explanation for uh, sort of top down ideas from from design. Uh, in this case, you know, I thought it worked. I thought we found a rather elegant solution. Dinosaurs are 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 an expression of 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 the sort of the three aspects of the threefold sun. Right? They are they are the uh, strength of nature, uh, power embodied. Right? Uh, they're 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 viewed by the Sun Empire as um, you know, as as equals to a degree, they're they're uh, they're given armor, they're given ornament, um, they're given. You know, I think the 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 first Ixalan sort of established that they weren't specifically trained so much as they were worked with by by classes of priests. You know that that continues. I think the the Sun Empire is not. You know, we'll we'll get into discussions of of uh, a representation, uh, indigeneity. The Sun Empire is an imperial power. They're not necessarily always good all the time, right? So, dinosaurs are not uh, are not creatures, but they are used as beasts of burden in war, while they also occupy this this place of of you know, being highly respected, valued uh, you know beings on the continent of Ixalan by the people who hold power over them. And they have names. So and they have it's names. Just yeah, really cool to have your uh, your dino friend. You give it. You give them a name mm-hmm. that they respond to. So pretty smart too. Um, a video. I have to ask: Are you a dinosaur fan? Well, yes, of course. Since uh, since I was eight or maybe six, I've been drawing dinosaurs. It's um, I, I got a lot of help from from Zach on like accuracy, how to get dinosaurs right. But this time in the set, we get to see. A, a few a few dinosaurs that are different from what we've seen before in uh, in Ixalan. I'm really excited that there there's dinosaurs that are unique and indigenous to the caves, mm-hmm. and uh, there's other types that we'll talk about later. It the stuff that happens in the caves is crazy. So, <laughs> so the stuff that happens to dinos in the caves is also crazy. Yeah, I can think of a few things for sure. <laughs> No spoilers yet, but no spoilers yet. But oh, yeah, yeah. Can't wait to dive into it. So like when you were trying to create dinosaurs on the Lost Caverns of Ixalan, what was important to defining the look of dinosaurs this time around? Like what makes them unique this time for for you as an art director? You always want to make sure that no matter where you put the camera, this feels like Ixalan. No matter who you put in front of the camera. 
this feels like it's a lot. There's no way that you're going to think this is in another plane. So we reinforced the motifing that was existent in the previous set, but also made sure that we added more line work and stonework, glyphs. I can tell you you're going to see a bunch of glyphs on every aspect of this world, including in the dinosaur designs. That's why I was saying there's dinosaurs that are unique to the Karens, but you will always know that they belong here. Oh, one thing that I was going to say that I forgot is that we integrated recent knowledge about dinosaurs, like stuff that was found between the last Ixalan and this Ixalan into the lost caverns of Ixalan. There's some references to the latest discoveries that we've had. So that, that was also really cool. Doing that research, uh, reading those articles, and uh, remembering also when I lost my mind about Borealopelta and the Thuderizinosaurus, like all the stuff that's just, you're like, oh my God, like all the new, we know so much more now. Yeah. Right? Just like seeing the difference between the, the, the first old uh, dinosaur movies and the new ones coming out. There's definitely a lot of knowledge there. There's we integrated these latest discoveries, some overarching inclu inclusions and some very specific to each card. Yeah, you definitely see a lot. Like not only are I think, you know, when you talk about like putting pointing the lens and making sure it still looks like Ixalan, to me, that also shows up in how colorful these dinosaurs are. Like there's so much beautiful color in the set and the dinosaurs are absolutely no exception. And then, of course. They're feathered, uh, which definitely plays into what you were just talking about, right? Yeah. They aren't um, just scaly. They have feathers, which we know, you know, a lot of di dinosaurs are descendants of bird are descended from birds. So um, I, that's really fascinating um, to hear it put in that perspective. But beyond the dinosaurs, so I wanted to get that out of the way first, but I want to zoom out much further than the dinosaurs because Ixalan, above all else, is a Mesoamerican inspired plane. And can you speak to that at a really high level, Miguel? Yeah. Um... That's a really big question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what does it mean to be a Mesoamerican-inspired plane? Ixalan, you know, the, the cultures that we depict on it are, and, and a video can speak to the, the sort of the specifics when it comes to things like um, architectural shapes, uh, textiles. We tried to, to sort of do a, like a, a pan-Mesoamerican approach to this fantasy setting, right? Like we appreciate that we get to have this plane, but, you know, uh, we produce primarily Western fantasy, right? And we can have whole sets devoted to particular types of of, of Western Western European fantasy settings: um, Anastrods, Kaldheim, um, Ravnica, right? We have Ixalan for for Latin America and for Mesoamerica, right? So we wanted to try and pack as many influences from as many eras as we could in a way that made sense and, and and felt felt authentic into this set we we had a, a solid foundation with the first ixalan and tons of ideas to bring to to this one like i said a video could probably speak more to the the, the specifics of architecture and the specifics of textiles and color uh things like that but um yeah i don't know i i i had a you know a thought early on that i wanted ixalan to be the the fantasy equivalent of of um like a mesoamerican dominaria <laughs> in that it could be massive and yeah and it was achieved yeah <laughs> thank you um but it could be massive and it could be made to be a like to be to be ripe territory to return to 
uh, for more stories, for more sets, for more adventures in in the past, present, and future of this plane that I hope we have constructed to to feel like a real living, vast place. Yeah, before we get a video state, because I'm dying to hear that too, but I, you know, when we talk to um, Kay Arsenal Rivera about Eldraine and her experience writing for mm -hmm. characters that are, you know, um, really personal to her in terms of like her she's biracial and Kellen of course is half fey half human mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit about that it's no easy feat right and I just want to say that out loud right it's not easy to say I'm going to try to represent an entire <laughs> culture in this set and so what we ended up with is so beautiful and is really inclusive but like you said like it's not everything there's so much yeah. more that we could explore and there's so much that we did explore in this set that is just truly just like i said so colorful so beautiful and i hope so meaningful to so many fans so a video what about the look and feel of the set was inspired by your own life your own personal history well that's a very long one <laughs> they, I, I was gonna say that in ixalan we have from the historical moment of the last Ixalan, right, the age of exploration and the the clash of civilizations and cultures and uh, colonization and uh, resource extraction, imperial expansion, right? Uh, all, all of these political themes are present here, and they're 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 part of the part of what made Latino America, right? It made us. We, we went a step farther and included what makes Latines Latines. So we, we have some modern stuff, some stuff that, that throws to like what we enjoy right now, like what our living culture, living indigenous cultures in Latino America do and love to do and how they hang out and how they dress right and how how stuff is decorated like you go to you you go to a mexican restaurant you see decorations there they, they're there for a reason right they have a lineage of imagery and i wanted to bring not just the ancient but also the modern it's present in the language like there's many indigenous words that we use in english Right, like chocolate, avocado, th those come from indigenous words. Many others, especially in Spanish, has a lot of indigenisms. And there's Nahuatl, there's Yucatecamaya names, and there's Cachiquel names. Some from people I've known in my life, and some from great kings of the past. So we definitely are bringing our A game, and we want, if you're Latino, Latina, Latine, uh, Latina is the inclusive Spanish for uh, for for Latin. So you will find some of yourself. You will see yourself here. You will see your cousin, your abuela, your abuelo, right? So it's gonna be really fun if if when people start like, oh my god, I recognize this. We ourselves had moments like that, developing the game, right? Making the art, writing the concepts talking about the story, talking about the characters. We were like, oh my God, me, did you have that too? Oh yeah, me too. You know what I mean? So definitely looking forward to having that conversation with others. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like this, this reminds me of one of the stories that you told a video that's very similar to this of like a memory of you and the art directors that all shared. And it was actually put into a piece 
of art in the set. Yeah. Um, would you mind telling that story again to our podcast listeners? The cascarones. Yes. Yeah. We're talking about the so, so for Carnaval, what we do is uh well, I grew up doing it. I, like I like we all ended uh, we all ended up doing it. Uh but for Carnaval, what we do is we paint eggs. We we wanted to do a, a dinosaur egg. We didn't want to do just an egg. Every time, listen, as an art director, every time you talk about an egg in a card, everyone says, oh, what if it's glowing? And from the back, you see the silhouette of the dinosaur. You're going to hear that idea 200 million times in your life <laughs> if you're if you're art directing eggs uh, or dinosaur egg. Like if you're, you're going to hear that. We wanted to have something more colorful. And so I was talking like, hey, what if we do that? You know what? In Guatemala, we do these like painted cascarones. Cascarones, it's eggshell in Spanish. Painted cascarones. And in, in for um, for Carnaval, I guess it's Easter. We we play around and we like smash them on people's heads. We fill them with confetti. And you smash them on it and their head. You always have to wash your hair after Carnaval. <laughs> When you're a kid, and and I was saying that, and I told, uh, I remember I said, and Deborah, Deborah, who's from Texas, she she grew up in Texas, she's Mexicana, she, oh my God, you also had cascarones, and we we're like, oh my God, Vic recognized it. I remember telling Miguel, Miguel is like, oh my God, that's great, that's like a really lived-in moment. That and and so we ended up having this card where you see all the kids' hands painting this gigantic dinosaur eggs with. Uh, with some old tech patterns, one of my favorite arts in the set. I just love that story so much. <laughs> it's so good, and you know, it's it's just it's one of those moments where you really. I talk I talked about this before on the podcast, but in, I majored in poetry, and in poetry, like there's this really strong concept of personal to universal, and then the, that's the more personal you make an experience, the more universally people actually understand it. So as opposed to saying like on Easter we paint eggs, you're saying in my culture on Easter this is what we do specifically with the eggs. That's going to resonate with so many more people, and there are going to be so many people who listen to this and who read the story and who are just like. You know what? I remember that too. That was my that was my experience as well, and that's so exciting. Now, Ixalan is um, a plane that is covered in dense green jungle, but within that jungle is a city made of gold. So, a video. What would I see if I approached Araska? You will see the Wing Temple of Araska, right? The beautiful waves. It's the it's called the Wing Temple because the beautiful waves crash against the side, and create this uh, uh, this wing effect on it uh that that was the that was the uh the big reveal and the big uh treasure of the last set right mm. gold uh i remember mentioning the new substance cosmium is gonna make gold feel like charcoal so uh, <laughs> it, as beautiful as it is we we're 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 going to greater heights now oraska is just at the end of a very perilous journey. And you asked something else, like, what about my life? I've I've been to the pyramids, of course. Like, you, if you're Guatemalan, you have to go to Tikal, you have to go to Yaksha, you have to go to these places. But not just going, but they live with the city, right? There, You can drive through the city and there's ancient Mayan structures in the middle. Like, there's a snake that's 22 kilometers long that wraps around the city. And you see some parts of that snake peek out in the city sometimes. And the aqueduct that the Spanish built on top of that structure. At the, so it's just, you see, and you see that on your commute. So I, I was trying to bring that experience that uh, 
the two different experiences, right? The urban experience, the living history, and the exotic ancient discovery when you're going and you hear the animals and you walk around and there might be a jaguar around the corner you don't know but (laughs) but you see this like massive beautiful pyramid the great jaguar in the middle of it all and you can you can actually go atop it and you see the canopy the jungle all all the foliage and peeking out all the little pyramids that's how araska feels to me this incredible treasure so now that you see the pyramids peeking from from the jungle, you wonder what's happening under the trees, right? What's happening on the mm-hmm. ground? What are people doing? Mm-hmm. Who's fighting each other? Oh my God, that's a dinosaur peeking. I'm just going to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> I might run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> might be time to turn around. <laughs> uh, this is so vivid. I, I love it. I'm like, I'm right there with you. And um, Miguel, I'm actually going to switch really quickly to you. Um, a video is talking about history and how rich it is. And so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the history of the city of Arazka and what we need to know going in. Um, What do we need to know about the city before we start on the story? Uh, So yeah, a video, you know, spoke to it a bit. Arazka is a very old city that is still populated. We, it was the object of the, um, of the, of the first Ixalan set, right? The race to Arazka, the race to to find the golden city and the artifacts contained within. It was a, for the longest time, it was the capital of the Sun Empire. Um, it was a place where the humans of the Sun Empire and merfolk of the River Heralds lived together in in uh, in as much harmony as they could until the, uh, the emperor of the Sun Empire at the time um, overused uh, this artifact called the Immortal Sun um, and eventually caused the abandonment of the city. Uh, that uh, the city over centuries fell into into disrepair. Um, the Merfolk uh, River Heralds uh, took it upon themselves to guard the city from outsiders uh, to, to prevent anyone from accessing the Immortal Sun, abusing its power. Um, eventually, the city was, was rediscovered uh, in the events of the first Ixalan. And uh, the first Ixalan more or less ended there a little bit afterwards. Um, we pick up, uh, as, as we saw during March of the Machine, uh, the city was in the process of being repopulated when the Fraxian invasion hit. Uh, and it became a site of a, of a, of a pivotal battle um, that led uh, by where, where Watley led uh, a, a small force of Sun Empire soldiers and the polite way they were referred to were auxiliaries, members of the Legion of Dusk uh, who were prisoners of the Sun Empire who, who were forced to fight alongside in, uh, in, in a sort of desperate mission to call, uh, to, to reach the top of the Winged Temple and call the Elder Dinosaurs to the defense of the Sun Empire. Um, that was successful. So in the year and a half since, the Arazka is once more the nominal capital of the Sun Empire. Uh, previously, it was Pachatupa. Um, the new emperor is moving the imperial court to Arazka and um, opening the city as a place to be repopulated by the refugees from all over the empire. A place for the the uh, um, sort of rebuilding the imperial court to be concentrated. So where the previous set of Ixalan ended with Arazka being found, the new story for Lost Cabins of Ixalan begins in Arazka. Uh, with something found beneath it, uh, a strange door hidden in a sub-basement that uh, promises, basically promises adventure hidden underneath. 
So, so yeah, Baraska is is now the heart of the uh, new empire, and it's where our story begins for the Lost Caverns Exile. Thank you, that's awesome, and that's that's going to be so helpful for our listeners going into this, like giving that little bit of history. Thank you so much for that. Um, this is probably a lot of people's first time hearing anything about you know, the, the previous Ixalan for some of our newer listeners who are kind of like Natalie and me and have only been playing for, you know, Natalie and I have been playing for about three years now and we still feel like we're new to the story. So we really appreciate that background. Are there any other important locations on Ixalan that we should be aware of before we jump into the story? Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned one, Pachatuba. Um, that's the, the the sort of the current the current heart of that was the the imperial capital for the longest time. Go want to know? It might be on the quiz, probably not. Uh, but some of the other locations that you that you should know, um, because they are the homelands of, of various characters that we're going to see in the story. Um, Alta Torazon uh, is is the kingdom, or I guess it's the queendom. It's a monarchy uh, that is on the the uh, the the continent of Torazon, which is across a strait, across a body of water from Ixalan. That is the uh, the homeland of the um, of the vampires of the Legion of Dusk. Uh, the Legion of Dusk is the military wing of the Church of Dusk, which is the uh, great religious power uh, in 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 Alta Tarzan. There's also uh, the Pirates of the Brazen Coalition. There, they were one of the original four factions of of well, one of the four factions in the original Ixalan. They are back again. Um, their main location, their main, it's a floating city made from two crashed uh, ships that has since grown um, a sort of a veritable fleet city around it. Uh, it's called High and Dry. And the River Heralds, uh, they um, they are from, gosh, actually, I don't recall off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm going to check my notes real quick. Uh, but the River Heralds are- The Rivers, they're from the they're Rivers. They're from the Rivers, yeah. <laughs> they're also indigenous to Ixalan. Um, they're uh, you know, just as ancient as, as the humans that are there. They are uh, a much smaller population than, than, the, uh, uh, than the Sun Empire. They, we're going to find out what happened to them. They, during the uh, Frexian invasion, they retreated um, to places that they've known were safe for centuries uh, to, to ride out the worst of the uh, of the invasion. So uh, stay tuned. <laughs> we'll find out more about where they're from and where they're currently at in in, uh, in the story. Let's have to read the story to find out. <laughs> so as we'll see in this season, there are, and we talked about these temples a little bit before, but I'm hoping to dive in a little bit deeper. They dot sort of the plain of Ixalan. Um, why are these temples so important to the people of Ixalan? The temples are historical remnant depending on where you're at right because they are in the in the living culture of the sun empire they represent the empire itself right in in a world that doesn't have ad campaigns <laughs> they, what you do is you just build a gigantic temple to tell everyone how powerful you are and to tell everyone of your values that you you own you own the gold you have all this beauty at your command right like and you write your history on the side of this big thing and each glyph is the size of your whole body and you have to read the whole thing uh that's in the case of oraska and the sun empire right now when we go down into the caves there's several other temples and we see there's inspiration from all across including some of the largest pyramids that exist in the real world so there's definitely uh 
a richer background of reference. Some of them are have engineering functions. Some of them have mystical functions and others have political functions. A lot of them have historical relevance. And some of them, of course, crumble because this is a set where we have to blow things up. So, <laughs> some, some temples just fall to the ground or they have some mysterious force coming out of it or they have a dinosaur guarding it. And may, they're not important to anyone living, but that dinosaur definitely doesn't want to go in, doesn't want you to go in there. So that's, uh, there's a lot of... <laughs> no one told him. Yeah, no one told the dinosaur yeah, that. All the people are no, dead. no, no, no. <laughs> they live there now. So we're going to meet some new characters this season, as well as catch up with some familiar faces. And without getting into who may return, can you tell us about some of these new characters we're going to meet on Ixalan this time around? And I want to start off, I'm going to um, give you a list that I want to walk us through, because these are characters that I'm really excited about. And I just want to get kind of their backstory, a little bit about what they are, and a video from you, like kind of what they look like would be really helpful um, for some of these characters. And I want to start with Amalia. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, Miguel Dele. We can talk. I can talk about the design of Amalia, but Miguel can you can tell us the story a little. Sure, bit. sure. So um, Amalia is a is a is a young vampire vampire. Um, she's a cartographer uh, with the Legion of Dusk. She's attached to an expedition uh, an expedition back to Ixalan uh, in the wake of the Phyrexian invasion. That is nominally a surveying, if I remember correctly, nominally a survey crew of the Queen's Bay Company, which is Queen's Bay is a location on the southeastern, on the coast of Ixalan, where the uh, the Legion Dusk has established a collection of forts. In the wake of the Phyrexian invasion and the year plus of rebuilding, uh, they are, are starting to once more. I mean, uh, the the Legion is is an imperial military arm of the monarchy uh, back on uh, the monarchy of Alta Torazon, are sending expeditions back out to to Ixalan. Uh, once more to uh, find resources to find um, they're not great folks right so they're they're looking to now that a great enemy has been defeated get back to the the thing that they know how to do which is continue to build their empire right queen's bay company is part of this uh, legion of dusk is part of this as well amalia is a young subject of the empire who is enthralled at the idea of of uh, of of expeditions, of charting new lands, of of uh, exploring distant and strange continents, and that's where we meet her. That's not where we're gonna end with her, but that's where we meet her. Uh, she also is uh, uniquely qualified as a cartographer uh, with a with a really incredible power that lets her cartography define what the land looks like, uh, literally. And we we see how that plays out in the events of the story. That seems like a very powerful thing to be able to do. I wonder if that will come in handy at all during the story. <laughs> Amalia can redraw the map, but also the land, yeah. right? Like you can see this, even in her, in her card, we're going to see that power manifested. Mm -hmm. Amalia was very popular even in the building. Like when the, mm -hmm. Amalia's design came in, we're like, oh my God, that's a great... That, the, the design was by the great Ryan Pankos and the art is by Alex Brandwin the people loved it and so i i expect this character to become very popular among among folks the illustration for the card is amazing mm -hmm. of course and it, it has like this our way of doing augmented reality and magic right like the magic going around and showing itself how amalia affects what's happening and uh, how she manifests what she wants we have a whole um 
that's I, I think it links really well to how we presented professions in the set. We have, of course, many scientists, linguists, historians mm -hmm. going down into the caves and represented mostly by people of marginalized gender and mostly also by indigenous peoples too. So it's, it's indigenous peoples researching their own history and it's, it's people we haven't seen before, new characters, new cards that do awesome things. You'll like playing with it. But Amalia is probably the first one we'll, we've talked about talking about how this set has women and people of marginalized genders in general showing themselves as leaders of wisdom and knowledge in Ixalan. Yeah, it sounds like she's kind of following in the footsteps of Uwatli a little bit, right? In the way that she kind of thinks about things and um, the just opportunities in front of her. So I'm interested to see if those two interact in the story for sure. So the next character I I loved straight away, but I, I want to hear more about Malcolm and his companion Breaches. Um, but we'll start with Malcolm and and kind of who this character is and, and what we need to know about them before before starting the story. Yeah, sure. So uh, Malcolm is a, he's a siren. He's, I believe the, the job that we had him doing was dowsing, which I'm not sure how much of that, if I recall, makes it into the pages of the story, but he is there as part of the Brazen Coalition's push to, to piracy is difficult. You know, piracy is a hard life. They are stateless people who uh, many of them fled from the shores of Torazon. Uh, the, on the western coast, there are a number of free cities, uh, and, and off the coast, there are, uh, there are islands where the majority of the orc population that we've seen comes from. And these cities and the islands there are in the sphere of influence of, of Alta Torazon and the vampires there. Um, it is a very difficult life to live under, you know, in, in the, in the, where vampires can find you. Uh, so many of them fled to uh to the seas where there is danger and precarity but freedom unlike anywhere else the Fraxian invasion touched the brazen coalition as it did everywhere that we've seen so far on the plane of ixalan many people in the brazen coalition can no longer uh, live as pirates it's that was a violent life and a dangerous life uh, before the Fraxians, and in the wake of a like planar uh, event like this doubly so so uh, there is great wealth that can be extracted from a land the brazen coalition is taking part uh in in this extraction as well uh, malcolm is part of their push to find places uh of of uh, great mineral wealth uh on on ixalan and establish mining operations and try to grow, you know, and, and trade rather than, than enact, uh, you know, uh, engage in piracy um, to, to, uh, to find stability. So we find him and his pal Breaches on the coast of Ixalan, the northern coast of Ixalan, when the story starts. They are, are in a brazen coalition town that's there. Uh, and they discover that uh, they're, they're basically sent on the trail of of a strange, a strange occurrence in a neighboring town um, that had been digging uh, deep into the earth, chasing cosmium, uh, which is a uh, you know a, a resource that, that, as the video said, is uh, makes makes gold look like charcoal. <laughs> I love that. 
<laughs> That's such a vivid picture. There might or might not be an image of a pirate in the set with so much wealth, they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> right? Like, just, ah, my God. Oh, video, is there anything you wanted to say about the look and feel of Malcolm or Breaches? We had a lot of fun with pirates. Mm-hmm. We get them, we, we get to see them bond with each other as well. We get to yeah. see them um, awaken spirits and commune with some of the stuff they find. Also, plunder and gather and hoard, <laughs> right? Because that's what pirates do. But the, we, we get to see them uh, uh, see them do other things here and definitely uh, a kinship through through the braze. They're, they're different peoples. Pirates are very diverse. Mm-hmm. There's sirens, there's orcs, there's goblins. There's It's not the only kind of goblin in Ixalan, so watch out. Not just pirates are goblins here. So uh, we'll, we'll see them also find that bond, right? That, that culture mm-hmm. that they have, that search for freedom bonds them beyond what they look like. Now, I also wanted to ask about Weta. Yes, Weta's great. She's, uh, you know... <laughs> She is a new character uh, who we'll meet early on in the story. She's young. Uh, she's not actually new to uh, the story. Now that I think about it, uh, Weta was mentioned, I believe. She, as a as a young, very young child, encounters Watley in like the first or second story of first second episode of the of the first Excellent story. She grows up with a desire to become the next warrior poet. Her life takes her to very different places. She uh, is a child when the invasion, uh, Frexian invasion hits. She's still, I mean, I think she's 16 or 17 in the events of the story. So she's still a kid, right? We, this is sort of a coming of age story for her and in a story where she has for a while now, she joins up with the Brazen Coalition and she sails far away from Ixalan, but feels an inexorable call to return and and does so and um you know has to wrestle with many conflicting uh, competing identities potential futures and uh and and really exists as for the majority of the story the point of view that the um that the reader uh, is going to follow right at Watley's side don't worry <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh is is for the most part the voice of this story and definitely Waita has Waita has learned from the world. Yeah. Right? Waita has costuming elements from the places she's visited. Mm-hmm. And we have something that's really collectivist. Like mm-hmm. the 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 Dusk League, the Legion of Dusk is very collectivist and and authoritarian. You have that in contrast of the communal centered um Oltec and the Sun Empire, their kinship with dinosaurs. You have Waita, who is very identity oriented, mm-hmm. the way we are very much are now, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we, we, we graduate from the teachings of our elders into a, a search of self, and that is what what Waita symbolizes in many ways. When when uh, when we were designing the character, that's what I was thinking that individualism versus collectivism right that that mm-hmm. learning from your inner voice uh, and learning to to quiet sometimes the voices that are outside which is also something that when you come from several cultures 
right? Uh, when you come from a mixed culture or you, or you go back and forth between countries and so on, like myself, you try to see, okay, what, which part is me and which part is, is a world speaking through me? Which part is who I've been told to yeah. be or yeah. how I've been told to act? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's such a relatable thing about Weta. And I really, um, I especially related with her because of her like desire to like, I'm going to be a poet. I'm going to be a warrior poet. Like I'm going to have this grand idea. And then life just happens and things don't always go the way that you want them to, but that doesn't mean that you're going in the wrong direction. And I think that's so fascinating to watch her in this story, as we'll see, as we get into the episodes, really just figure out like you said, what, who, who am I? What do I want? What do I want to do? I don't want to worry about everybody else. Like I want to think about what I want to do here and also utilize what she's given. Right. And that's not necessarily what she thought she would be given in terms of like what life has to offer her. So there's one last character that I wanted to talk about before we moved on. And that character was Vito. I think pretty important character to talk about before diving into the story here. So let's pave a little bit of context for our listeners here. What what do they need to know about this character before diving into the story? It's pretty intense. <laughs> Vito Quijano de Pasamonte. <laughs> it's such a fantastic name listen i the legion of desk are the bad guys it's it's they're they're written as such they are they're intended to be they are very very fun to write and to name and to to explore um vito i think the best thing i could say about vito is that vito is a very passionate guy he has a view of the world that um is unshakable such that the world is made malleable to it, right? He is a vampire from the Legion of Dusk. He, I believe the first time we ever saw him was just as a card in a Commander Masters set. I, f I forget exactly where it was, um, but he was a card with a bio. And I wanted to grab some characters uh, when, when doing initial world building for, for this set. I wanted to grab some characters that, that would be recognizable, right? As, as recognizable names to, to players who, who, who um, may have read the story, may have played uh, the first Xlon or, or have you know, uh, seen them in, uh, uh, in, in card form. And, and Vito was one of these folks. Um, he, like I said, is, is, a, is a vampire. He is a very deeply religious person. Um, who has uh, become disillusioned with the path that the Church of Dusk and the Legion of Dusk, well, the Church of Dusk and, and the, the monarchy of Altatorazan has taken. So he is part of, he's found himself following a, a figure, uh, Vona, who is another character um, who we've seen at the card level before, the uh, Butcher of Magan. He follows her in this very hardline interpretation of the church of dusk and and of their core tenets of essentially vampire supremacy he has returned to to ixalan uh where he like okay so so some backstory vampires on on ixalan uh, if they do not feed they they go into this thing called a blood fast which uh, among many other effects um can give them visions uh he in the course of the phyrexian invasion could not feed he like basically everyone else uh, uh who was not phyrexian fought against the phyrexians he entered into a prolonged blood fast he was desperate and alone and scared and in that blood fast heard 
whispers, promises, and visions of that he felt were issued to him by Aklazats, who is a progenitor god of, of all vampires, a titanic, bat-like, demonic, arguably, figure who who promised him if if he would be his herald, if he would be his agent on Ixalan, uh, he could usher in the age of ever-flowing blood in which vampires would you know adopt their um, supreme position in the world and never want or fear again. That's all backstory. He is on Ixalan now. We find him leading this supposed survey team for the Queen's Bay expedition, a Queen's, Queen's Bay company, which is in reality a expedition of other uh, Legion of Dusk zealots who who also shared this vision, who who are swayed by his words and the words of, of Vona, and who seek to descend underneath the surface of Ixalan, where there are known to be temples to Aklazots. Um, I believe there are previous cards that that touch on this, um, showing Mavern Fane, another character, seeing visions of Aklazots. There are literal temples of Aklazots as a, as a card, I believe, in, in, in prior Exxon sets. And, and yeah, Vito is, 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 is leading this expedition, the one that Amalia uh, will find herself embroiled in underneath the surface of Exxon to, to, to follow the word and promise of, of Aklazots. Thank you. That's super helpful. I think this is going to be a challenging one for you, Miguel, in a video, but mm-hmm. um, I want to know what was, what was your favorite part about Exxon? Like, what is your favorite part about Ixalan? My favorite part is the core. So it's it's an incredible piece. It's a set piece that I'm really looking forward for people to see. It's something that I don't think we've seen in Magic before. And it's very, it was very hard to paint. <laughs> I, I painted one card in the core myself. And, wow. yeah, and I had to art direct people how to do it. And both sides... <laughs> I did the art direction first and then I did a card and I was like, oh, now I get it. I get why it's so hard to paint that. <laughs> uh, the, the concept was very innovative. I think the uh, there's a lot of references to life in this set. I remember sending Miguel a photo of a village, Santa Catarina Palopo. It's uh, on the edge of Lake Atitlan in my country. Lake Atitlan is... Every Guatemalan will tell you it's the most beautiful lake in the world. Of course, I am not biased at all, but <laughs> <laughs> but but we but we see like the village rising on the mountain and all the colors on every because because there's no HOAs there, right? <laughs> you can paint your house however you want. Uh, even the graveyards are colorful. You paint the grave the color that your relative liked. Or if you your relative really like the team, you'll paint it with that team. You're a Seahawks fan, okay? We'll paint the Seahawks logo <laughs> on your grave. That, that's just how how they think. Yeah. So I remember sending Miguel that that image that inspired me for a lot of the designs we're gonna see, and not just those designs, but the verticality of things. I remember during the concept which we were talking about uh, about South America and how there's a lot of heights going up to heights and 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 taking those like sky gondolas right like those hanging on cables from one end to the other you do that in bolivia you do that in colombia mm-hmm. you see that in many places so it's it it my favorite part of the world the core it's i put a lot in there and it it, it was our little baby that we could create from scratch for sure 
and but more than the world the process of of giving many people the chance and giving myself the chance too because sometimes it's a little scary to put yourself out there to show your experiences give them a magical lens and making it appeal to others and showing those things that you grew up with those things that you cherish those stories that they told you and finding a way to put it in here you know like there's a there's something in the story about someone who walked for years and this in the backstory i think there's and there's like a long road right and this is a fun fact there was a long road i was told about this long road from peten in the north of my country all the way up to the pueblos it's a highway built oh wow you know a long time ago i was told the story before it was actually discovered <laughs> so so it, it it it's just that that type of like blend of you think it's fantastical but it it becomes it, it's it was real right things like that where where you see that there's like so there was a network of roads that connected right and now you can go visit the site at Takalikavach where you see all the cultures colluding and all the little elements that are different in the decoration kind of a small gobleki tepie tepe of uh of of the ancient Mesoamerica. Yeah, I really like what you said where it's just it feels so real. You know, and and there's and there's something genuinely authentic with with the Lost Caverns of Ixalan be- because of that. And it's just it's so powerful to hear these stories and then it's it's going to be doubly powerful to be opening up these cards and and seeing translations of of art and characters and places that are so prevalent to what we are hearing today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing all this. This is like, I'm like spellbound <laughs> just listening. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so um, Miguel, did you, do you have a favorite part about Ixalan that you wanted to share? Uh, yeah, I, um, I mean, it's a cop out sale, every part of it, but every part of it, I think, you know, I, um, <laughs> Writing Waito was a lot of fun because we got to write a character who'd been to places that none of us have seen. Um, and uh, to get to see through her story a world that is um, in, the, in the economical use of dialogue when she speaks sometimes, a world that is so much more vast mm-hmm. than the narrow window that we get to show to players and fans um, at the card level. Uh, I, I, I have fallen in love with Ixalan as a setting and as a place for story and as a place to explore the often like complex, difficult relationship that I like personally have had with, uh, with, with my, my own culture, my own exposure to, to that culture and, and, uh, in Latin America, um, with the relationship that you know I and in, in, in the video and I have uh, as um, participants in the relationship that Latin America has with itself and with the United States, Ixalan is is a place where selfishly I can I can write and ask for things to be drawn that I can't see in the real world or that I can um, 
I did not expect to get emotional talking about that right there. Um, have have never been able to interact with in the real world. Um, it's a it's a it's a place that you know if I could make every set that I work on going forward, show you another slice of Ixalan, I would. But I um uh, yeah I don't know all of it. I'm just excited to 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 show you know every card um that we can get set on Ixalan. I'm I'm excited to to share with other people. Uh, every story that that we can write about it. I'm I'm excited to share that with other people too because I think it's a I think it's a place that is um you know magical and, and vibrant and 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 difficult and um rich with it it has a permeable barrier between uh, reality and fantasy and magic, the past and the present, uh, the living and the dead that, uh, you know, uh, we have attached a card game to <laughs> for a little while, <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited for, for all of it. It's, it's the, my favorite set that I've worked on. It's going to be my favorite set that I've worked on for, for a long, long time. And I, I, I hope to return to it to get to you, to get to share it with, uh, with fans who hopefully will fall in love with it. We'll have it sitting with them the same way it's, it's, it's sat with me, uh, since, since I've been lucky enough to get to work on it. Well, I can give you a little bit of hope uh, in that regard, because I know as someone who is not from that culture, who read this story, I really felt transported the entire time. Like I truly felt like I was there. Everything is so between the, the story itself and the art. You can't not. It's so well realized. It's so fully realized. And it's such a treat to be able to go into Ixalan, into this world that you two have worked so hard and many and many countless other people in the studio um, in, at Wizards, but especially you two have created for us to actually be able to venture into and to, to get a peek into the slice of life that we wouldn't have access to otherwise and wouldn't be able to see from your perspective. And one of the things about this story that really stuck with me is how important it is that people get to tell their own stories. And so I just want to say thank you so much to both of you for coming on and telling us your story of working on Ixalan and why this plane is so important to you. It's it it was a, the experience was very uh, it, it was a big rush. Yeah. Right. There were a lot of moments of uh, of laughter, of unknown commonality. Yeah. Uh, that 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 Pan-American sentiment is real. Yeah. Like it makes me think of that Calle Trece song, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, Latino yeah. America. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! Like, yeah, goosebumps. Thing stuff about that like, one, yeah. We, yeah, goosebumps. Thinking about, thinking about what we've gone through, and and every time we Miguel and I were talking, like, oh, all we have to do is just like summarize and honor our ancestors and bring our histories and like, but it's but it's it's no yeah, big deal. It's very true. Like <laughs> we we many of us in Latin America come from conflict, including myself, right? We've yeah. talked about this. Yeah. Um, we come from conflict. We, many of us feel dispossessed, disavowed, displaced, right? And especially like if you're an immigrant or if you, if you had to leave for some reason, mm. or, or even if you're in your own country and you're struggling to be heard and to, to be able to tell this at the same time that we're giving people a hell of a fun time playing cards with dinos, attacking each other with pirates, getting a, an old tech to ride a bat, and fighting a, a, a member of the Legion of Dusk is just a, an incredible task. And marrying all that together was very hard. It, it, in the day-to-day, -day, you feel like you have a lot of stuff to do. It's very overwhelming. 
and looking back, you see it and you say, how did I do that? Mm -hmm. How did I bring all this? And <laughs> of course, you come up with other stuff that you didn't think of the first time around. That, that's why you want to come back, right? <laughs> Always. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Every time, like, oh, I should have put this in. I should have put that in. We, we really loved visiting Exelon this time around, giving it our own spin, making it feel like a plane, not just bigger for what we show, but bigger for what we don't. Yeah. Right? Like M Miguel's words really tease out what might be, mm -hmm. what could happen. You know, it could even be more epic the following time that we see. So strap yourselves, my friends, you're in for a ride. <laughs> we, we, had, we had a blast play testing. We had a blast talking about our personal stories during the creation of the set. People, artists working on it, right? And, and I remember even thinking, me thinking artists personally, because some work they did inadvertently reminded me of stories that I heard when I was a kid or happy moments with my family, my grandma or my mom or, or, or eating with people like a, a, like a big table and just eating uh, whatever we want, our tamales, right? Our pepian, just those moments of lived in um, love, uh, warmth, uh, that action, the the harrowing displacement that you feel, we put a lot of that in there, and it, it's as I said, it's incredible that we did it while telling an adventure story that is really cool and fun. So even if you, even even if you don't pick up all the references, you'll have fun. If you pick up all the references, you'll want to come back to Ixalan. I am. I am personally. So excited for The Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Um, I think it's going to be an absolutely incredible set. And if what we talked about here today isn't isn't tribute enough to to how real and authentic and personal this this journey of creating the set and then and then putting it out there for all of our all of our fans to to experience is just going to be something really, really special, I think, for for all of us here at Wizards, too. Well, again, I just want to say thank you so much, Miguel and Ovidio, for coming onto our podcast and talking about all things Ixalan. We are so excited. And um, I know that we, we may be having a second conversation about this. We may have more to talk about later. So we're really excited about that. We have so much more to explore here, but that's all the time we have for today. Miguel, Ovidio, thank you so much for talking us through some of the origins of Ixalan. We're getting ready to dive into the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. The first episode of the main story drops next week on the podcast. I am so excited and as Harla said we have much more to explore in regards to the world building and the origins behind Ixalan so we're gonna have Miguel and a video back on the podcast after the story has been released to dive more into it we will see you soon in our first story episode of the Lost Caverns of Ixalan but until then have a magical day, day.